0: Welcome, adventurers. The actions we take and the decisions we make in our day-to-day life we believe to be our own. But what if they are not? What if they were the result of subtle manipulations? Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents Tales. The dungeon. Find the child. Confirm he is the descendant of a moth. Use all caution. Alert no one. No task is more important than this. The message sounded in Rot's mind. It would be disquieting for most to hear the voice of another in their own head but he was quite familiar with the magic. He focused on his own thoughts, sending a response. Nearing the Oyen Lola estate now. will take all precaution. Need time to work. Check again in two weeks. Reply sent, Rot focused again on the road ahead. He had passed the turn down to the lake, and the main town, a half-bell past. Two hundred paces ahead, olive trees lined a wide drive, leading north from the main road to a well-appointed group of buildings atop a hill. As he turned off the main road, he shifted, skin darkening, face molding into a mask with high cheekbones and a strong chin. Hair sprung from his scalp, curling, taking on a glossy black. Rock considered, and after a moment, just a bit of grey appeared at his temples a bit of age always added to credibility and authority the drive led to a large wrought iron gate and an ivy-covered brick wall that surrounded the estate within less than a bar of his arrival a thin willowy servant with straw-colored hair and a dark red uniform came to the gate may i help you the attendant inquired rot looked deeply into their eyes Pushing out, the whisper of their thoughts began to materialize in his own mind. My name is Bitwimri Usa, and I have business with the Comte, Rot said. As the expression on the attendant's face flashed, their thoughts became more clear. Uncertainty, unfamiliarity, a lack of confidence. His face remained stern, but inside, Rot smiled. They were new to this post. Do you have a writ or invitation? Would the Comte otherwise know of your arrival? The voice was afraid to offend. Rot made a show of being offended and irritated, but then let his face soften into one of consideration, and he climbed down from his horse. Even though the gate stood closed between them, the attendant took a nervous step back. For the first time, Rot smiled smoothing the long coat he wore. I wish no harm upon this house, friend, Rot said, holding his hands out. I but wish for a few moments of Comte Olin Lola's time. I have news and inquiries about a lineage of one of the other families of the Vet Doma that only he may be able to answer. Rot saw the attendant relax and felt the suspicion fall out of their mind with his explanation. Please understand, master. Uso, was it? There was a pause as Rot nodded in confirmation. I am new to this house, and have no authority to let you enter without proof of invitation. Mistress Diata runs a tightly wound clock, and was quite clear no unregistered visitors are to be let within the grounds. Rot's face became sympathetic. I understand, friend. Benef. Their name was Benef. Rot had picked it from their thoughts. This mistress sounds like a stern woman. Head of Staff, he inquired. Benef nodded in return. Rot gave a knowing smile. New to the house, you say, but quite an honor. How long have you lived in Solvara? They flushed but looked around. Benef's thoughts were coming in with more clarity with every passing moment. They were not a native of Solvara. Relatively few were. They were bored and unused to the formalities of a life in a vetdoma house. A friendly conversation was a welcomed change to the foreign environment. Benef stepped back toward the gate, and the friendly stranger. I am not from Solvara at all. I was in Ferrybridge but two weeks past. My mother's cousin is the head cook here and was able to pull some strings with a Mistress Diata. Benef looked around, then pressed their face right between the bars. Now, instead of working the docks, I'm sitting in the watch house for ten bells a day, holding these gates open for carriages worth more than my whole family would make in ten years, dressed like some Randy bird. Rot let out a hearty chuckle, head tilting back, eyes closing. Benef smiled. When he was done, he reached through the bars, clapping a hand on the attendant's shoulder. It can't be all so bad. You must have a friend or two amongst the staff. Benef frowned. Not as of yet. My mother's cousin is so busy, I have not but seen her twice, for less than a bell at a time. And most of the servants have been here a long time, and are getting a little long in the tooth. Any as long as Mistress Diata? None that I know. She has been with the house almost sixty years. That long. That must make her... Eighty. Easy. But none the less fierce for it. Rot chuckled again. Listen, Benef said. I could go ask. Ask if you might have an audience. What's the worst that could happen? Rot smiled. Truly, you are too kind. And here, I don't even know your name. Benef, Benef, no, after hearing your story, I have no wish for you to face the wrath of the head of staff. I am not in a pressing rush. I will head back to the town and take up lodging. I will compose a formal letter requesting an audience, as I should have done in the first place. Rott stood stiff and tall, and then, mockingly, Formalities and all, you know. Benef laughed at this. Now that I think on it more, friend Benef, please don't mention I came to the gate in this way. It might make the Comte think poorly of my etiquette, and sour him against an audience. Benef gave him an understanding nod. I won't. And if anyone happens to have seen and asks after my identity, tell them I was some ill-mannered merchant from Feld's Crossing, looking to talk business, and that you turned me soundly away. That should win you some favor with the mistress.' Another laugh and a nod of appreciation. Rot could feel Benef's relaxed state, his thanks for welcomed words. I will. Take care, Master Usa, until we meet again for the first time. Rot turned to remount his horse. When he had one foot in the stirrup, he paused, looking back at the attendant. You have been most kind, friend Benef. Do they allow you any time off? Benef flushed again. In fact, they do. I have an evening off two days hence. Could I buy you a drink for your kindness? I am far from home as well, and it is good to have some company in a strange part of the world. Some company would be most welcome, Master Usa, Benef replied, his tone conveying a true gratitude. Bitwimry, please, call me Bitwimbri. Rot said, as he pulled himself up onto his horse. I shall be staying at the Decanter, an inn near the east end of town, along the shore road. It isn't hard to find. Rot turned his horse back down the drive. I look forward to two days hence, Benef. As the horse stepped on, the estate shrinking behind, one side of his mouth pulled up into an ugly sneer. Maduka scattered the pounce across the parchment to set the ink. He waited ten beats before gently shaking the page and then folding it neatly into three. A deep red sealing wax was held to the candle and then pressed to the letter, followed by his large signet ring. Two spears crossed before an image of soul. Twelve correspondents written. Two more to go. Maduka stood to stretch his aching back rubbing his hands to create some warmth. He was cold. It seemed he was always cold these days. He let out a bah to the empty room to curse his age as he moved across the floor toward the large marble fireplace. As his hands extended toward the warmth of the flames, there was a measured knock at the door. Knock. A beat. Knock. A beat. And without waiting for his response or permission, The door quietly opened. Deata. he needn't turn and look. He had heard the knock untold times. Even footsteps made their way across the wood floor, and a tray was set to the desk with a barely audible clink. After that, there was silence. She was not gone. He would bet all his wealth and titles that she stood looking at his back, hands clasped before her. Extending his hands one last time toward the heat, he rubbed them together once more, before turning. Spinning about, he suppressed a smile. Looked like he was still the Comte Olen Lola. He started back toward the desk. Mistress Deata wore the same gray dress she always wore, simple in construction and buttoned all the way up to the base of her chin. Every other employee of the house wore the deep red of the Olen Lola house but not Deata. She said it did not become a woman of her age. The thing was, she had said that for the last fifty years. The mistress was nine years his senior, but somehow still moved as a woman half her age. She would outlive him. Maduka sat and pulled a clean parchment in front of him. Deata poured tea and leaned across the desk, setting the cup within easy reach. That task completed, she refilled an oil lantern that sat at his desk and went to the fire to get a small brand. She lit the lantern and placed the delicate glass case back atop the base. All done, she stood again, hands clasped before her. She wouldn't leave until she had spoken, and she wouldn't speak until he had spoken to her. He looked up and smiled. Thank you, Diota. A barely perceptible nod of acknowledgment. She then frowned at his desk in a pile of letters. Will you be dining in the hall tonight, or? A pause to let him stop her. He didn't. Do you wish your dinner brought here? Her tone left no question which of the two options she believed to be correct. Tapping the uninked quill against the desktop, Maduka replied, I have but two more letters to write. I shall dine in the hall tonight. If the cook can be persuaded to wait, but a bell. She did not smile, but her posture became approving somehow. I will make sure dinner is served in one bell's time. She gathered a dish with some partially eaten bread and cheese that had been left for his lunch, and placed it on her tray. And as a reminder, you have lunch with the Comatessa de del Fiore tomorrow. How could he have possibly forgotten? She had reminded him every day for the last week. He rolled his eyes. I am considering rescheduling. I may send a message saying I am under the weather. Theata stopped in her tidying and looked at him. Are you feeling unwell? No, I just... She cut him off. It seems unfitting to refuse the invitation of the Comatessa without reason. Unless... She looked to the door and then back to him. You are avoiding her. Your lineage studies. You have found something out about her line. Or that nephew of hers. Maduka raised his head fully and looked at his head of staff with squinted eyes and thin lips for a moment, and twitching toward a leather portfolio filled with documents that sat nearby. Why would she ask that? Especially about the nephew. He considered her... Something had been imperceptibly off about her since she fell ill two months past. It had been just after the disappearance of that gate attendant. What was their name? Bennett? Benham? Bah, he couldn't remember. They'd only been on staff a couple of months. It had hit Dayata quite hard. Maduka himself assumed that the post was just not for them, and rather than making their goodbyes, they had just slipped out into the night. But Dayata, who was never sick, kept to her rooms for nigh a week. And when she emerged, she wasn't quite the same. She looked exactly the same, but every now and then she would forget things. Where things were, or details about him or his preferences. A few times he found her with a blank expression in his office or library. When he would ask what she was doing, she would make the excuse of cleaning, or looking for a missing bit of silverware. But he could sense that was not it. He hated to think it, but he was worried the sickness had brought on the symptoms of age, which she had until two months past seemed immune to. Stranger still, she had taken a passing interest in his genealogy research, a hobby of his. He did it for his family and for other families in the Vet Doma, Before she fell ill, she never once asked him a question that did not have to do with his schedule, the staff, or the running of the house. But subsequently, she had asked several questions about his studies. And now that he thought back, her interest was always highest when it was the Dea del Fiore house. In the drawn-out silence, her expression was changing. She began to move around to his side of the desk, and with an uncharacteristic aggression, Asked, I'm right, aren't I? You have found something. Without knowing why, he began to recoil, grow afraid, afraid of an eighty-year-old. What brought on this fervor? There was an orphan in the line fourteen generations back, in the comatesses' brother's wife's line, an oddity more than a problem. The Vet Doma families were proud, and some of the more antiquated and misguided still cared about the purity of lineages. Mistress Diata was right before him now, somehow looming over him. It felt as if she grew with each step she took toward him. Yes, he answered out of genuine fear. A ghastly, distorted smile split the woman's face. Was her skin turning blue? An orphan... Yes, the voice had become deeper, not one he had ever heard before. Well, my dear Comte, there shall be no excuses. We will be going to lunch tomorrow after all. Hands lashed out, wrapping around his throat. The changeling Rot has come to Solvara at his master's bidding. But what is their interest in the Dea del Fiore house? Stay tuned next week for part two of Dance of the Marionettes. Hello, one and all. Uh, We are back from break uh, for the end of season four here. Uh, This is just a reminder that uh, these releases that are coming out to the public are actually uh, quite a ways behind my Patreon releases. So if you're a patron, you've already heard this episode quite a while ago. Typically, a public release comes out uh, somewhere between, I don't know, 10 and 13 weeks behind what's happening. just kind of depends on how breaks line up and whatnot. So... That being said, sometimes I'm speaking to you from the past when you hear these things, and sometimes from the future. Uh, This one, as I'm speaking right now, is actually just a day before it actually releases to the public. But other times it is actually from when I recorded it back for my patrons. So who knows? Uh, Only the shadow knows. Whatever that means. Anyway, for you, the public, uh, there are nine straight episodes coming up. That's uh, seven story episodes and then the season wrap-up, the two episodes that are my typical season wrap-up coming. So buckle up. You get a straight ride from here on out. Nine straight episodes coming that will lead you through the remainder of season four. Thanks for listening and hope everything is well.